You're listening to the 10 Bagger Podcast, presented by The Daily Gold. Join us as we uncover tomorrow's 10 baggers today. And now here's your host, Jordan Royburn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 10 Bagger Podcast. This is episode number three. Today I'm chatting with my buddy, Jeb Handworker of goldstocktrades.com. Jeb and I met, uh, I think it was t- summer of 2011, on an epic mining trip to Alaska. All other mining site visits, at least in my opinion, will be measured against that one because it really was epic. Uh, Jeb, it's good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, how are you doing today on this Friday? Thanks, Jordan, for having me here. It's a it's a great time to uh, connect with you. Uh, yes, I remember that that uh, mine tour up to Fairbanks, Alaska, at the height of the last uh, gold bull market, and you know we're one of the few guys that were around um, in the last you know uh, for our age that remember the last bull market when I think the daily gold and um, gold stock trades was, was, was started back in the last bull market. So we remember that potential. And I think one of the, co- the companies we were, we were uh, visiting uh, was International Tower Hill Mines and uh, the beginning of uh, Corvus Gold, which uh, just got a huge bought deal uh, from BMO and is a uh, favorite uh, you know, sponsored by Anglo Gold uh, Ashanti, uh, Corvus Gold, when that was starting out, and that's become a big winner. So we've been around the block, you and I. We've been through both uh, the bull markets, and I would have never thought that, you know, we, you know, maybe we would have a correction in gold, but to have a ten-year. Um, bear market in the junior miners like this where these miners have gone to sort of epic 50-year lows according to some valuations. I would never have thought uh, that we would head into such a decline like what we've witnessed. Yeah, I call it the forever bear market because it, uh, yeah, with respect to uh, the junior mining sector as a whole, I mean, it really has not recovered. Some juniors have, but the sector as a whole, I mean, you were talking about the TSX venture before we got on board here, uh, you know, how that's basically near all-time lows. But uh, moving on from that, Jeb, uh, I want to talk about 10 baggers today. That's the subject. I want to talk about your experience, you know, what you look for, how can our listeners find 10 baggers, what they should avoid, a lot of things we can touch on. But uh Let's talk about happy times because we both believe things are going to improve. In happy times, Jeb, I know that in 2015, I know that you invested in uh, a few placements or a handful of placements. I mean, we've chatted uh, several times over the years. I know that some of the things you got into in 2015, those did spectacularly well over the next year or two. Can you just share maybe one or two of your uh, your big winners and what you recall about those and, uh, uh, you know, how that's influenced uh, your investing moving forward? Well, one of the uh, things that I looked at um, is uh, 
uh, commodities that may have been out of favor and that would 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 run. Um, so one of the areas that I looked into was uh, palladium. Now, if you've been watching the recent move in palladium, uh, pal- palladium's gone parabolic. It's hit over eighteen hundred. Um, some can that may may consider it overvalued now, but there's uh, it's had a significant, serious move. The palladium market, you know, outperforming um, everything year to date. And, you know, in the junior space, there's very few, um, you know, one of the big ways to make 10-bagger potential that, you know, I started in this business in the late 90s, um, pretty much when I wanted to go into mining as a career um, after I graduated high school in 1998. Um, Class of 98, I graduated, wanted to go into mining sector because at that time there was Zero, like this, there was very little interest, especially coming from the New York area. Uh, and there's very few gold bugs and uh, coin collectors, which I, I uh, had an interest in. So uh, I got into that market, and that, that was the first time, you know, it was you have to be a contrarian. So you have to get in when the prices are really low. Uh, and that, you know, because that's when you're able to have, it's much easier to have the 10 bagger potential. And, uh, you know, if, if you got into the juniors in the late nineties or early two thousands, um, especially, you know, the, the ones that were listed on the U S exchanges, you know, it was, it's very quick to have, um, 10 baggers once investors started returning, and especially after the 9/11, the 2001, uh, and the, the the war starting, that's when really there was a huge new rush of investors um, and ten bagger potential. But recently, uh, Palladium's been one that I kind of w- was uh, looking into a few companies. Um, you know, I saw this asset, uh, one asset in Montana, right next to Stillwater, Sabanya, that was taken over by Sabanya. And, uh, you know, invested in it early uh, when they got the project. And uh, so I knew the project, knew the company, uh, knew some of the management um, at an early stage. And that's one of the best ways to uh, to get those 10-bagger potential is to know the management, to know the asset, and to be a little bit lucky on the commodity. Um and I think that's uh, that's one um, the, the company that I'm looking at in, is drilling right now, um, and uh, it's called Group Ten Metals. Group Ten in Montana, next to Sabanya Stillwater. Oh, so that's one you're looking at now. That wasn't a, a past ten bagger, just to clarify. Oh, no, that's one that I think could be 10-bagger. I invested, I, I don't know, when the company and the, got the asset, I think it was a $0.06. Cent. Now it's trading at, um, I don't know, uh, I also have a $0.12, cent, I think, warrant. I'm not exactly sure. you got to check. I have to double-check. But, you know, one that's drilling now and one that I think, I you know, you have to look at the core and look at the, um, you know, the program you know, the people behind the, the uh, including David Broughton and uh, Greg Johnson, guys that have built major uh, mining companies like Nova Gold and Ivanhoe. 
So they're drilling now. I, I think it's a potential one. But I, I have a share position. They're not a sponsor, but I, I, I invested in it um, when it was uh, just starting up. Okay, and you mentioned something. I just want to touch on that for the listeners because Dave Erfley in our last episode, he also mentioned the same thing. Uh, to the listeners out there, guys, it's so important to go a step further beyond just looking at the website and reading the information on the internet. You can call these companies up. You can, you know, if you have the, the time, uh, you can go to conferences and meet them. But if you can't do that, call them up, you know, talk to them every month, build, build a relationship with them that way. That is going to help you have better results moving forward. Wouldn't you agree with that, Jeb? Yeah, and I think sometimes they listen to shareholders too. And uh, sometimes there's projects, you know, some of these companies own that many people don't even realize that they're sitting in, that they're sitting on, and that are very valuable. And, um, you know, just by being here in this business and having time, um, uh, and spending time with smart people and having those discussions uh, and keeping track of projects, uh, you're sometimes able to to get in early, you know, and then if you hit the right cycle, you know, that's when some of these, you know, I can see it really is a game of, of lotto. And, you know, it, these are a lot, you know, especially in the exploration business. And, you know, if you get into a good cycle, the odds are a lot easier. And um, when there's money coming in, uh, but the the key is is that you know some of the, if you keep track, it makes the odds a lot better. And if you keep track of the people that can really build and get that institutional money when they do hit, you know that's when a lot of money comes in. And if you're a retail investor and you got in early. And then the company is able to, to follow through. Then you get an institutional or they do a big broker financing like a company like Corvus just did. And they're at a whole new league and they're institutional stock, you know, and um, and they're a New York stock. Ex- you know, eventually when the markets get better, then they get uplisted to the New York Stock Exchange. And that's when they go from pennies, 10 cents to a dollar and then $2, and then they're on the New York Stock Exchange, I remember in the last bull cycle, and then they go to $10, like Tower Hill Mines. When we were up there, it was $10. $10. I think it's trading at maybe 30, 40 cents right now. And I remember that at a time when it was once trading at 30, 40 cents. So, uh, and I think that probably there'll be a time, you know, as much as people don't realize it and don't think it'll happen, there'll be a time that it might be 10 bucks again. Yeah. If it's still around, uh, over the years ahead and it's in its present form, then yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. But let's, let's talk about now aside from, I mean, you mentioned palladium. Thanks for the pick on uh, group 10 metals, but let's all, I want you to talk about, cause you talked about commodities and things that were out of favor. Um, you know, what, what, aside from palladium, what are some, uh, other commodities that you're looking at now that you think you know may be coming into a new cycle over the next five years or so. I mean, is it silver? Is it uranium? Um, or is it something else uh, that interests you? I mean, as far as those commodities, what would you be looking at? Um, right now, I think the the trade is 
in the in the silver market. Um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of silver in the world. Um, it has, but there's very few areas where there's high grade silver, and that's in friendlier jurisdictions. And I think that you know, uh, silver. Um, when there's interest again in the gold market, there's going to be interest again in the silver market. And it's a smaller, there's very few silver exploration, um, you know, as Eric Sprott just, you know, said recently, which I agree with him, there's very few high grade silver stocks, especially in, in, in mining friendly jurisdictions. And when that comes back into flavor again, that that's going to be, um, pretty exciting and I think that the silver market is uh, technically it's setting up for a, a big move um, so once uh, you know so uh, I like the Kino Hill area I think that Alexco and I know that not not everyone's a fan of the Yukon but that's one area where you have high extremely high grade silver and uh, I think with the uncertainty in South America right now there may be some money coming back into the Yukon yeah, Alexco has been uh, even. That's been a huge winner uh, in the last uh, twelve months or so. It has corrected a little bit, so I mean, you're you're getting a, a better entry point now if people want to take a look at that. Yeah, silver. Um, yeah, and the and the battery metals. I'm looking at. You know, it. You know, it is every couple of years you have big runs in the battery metals and then huge corrections. And right now. Uh, we've had, uh, since I think February of 2018, uh, a correction, uh, in all those lithium and cobalt and battery metals. But, um, you know, Tesla's finally showing a profit. The companies are 2020 models might be coming out. You know, there may be some 10 baggers there, but that's a contrarian call. And really to get those big wins, you gotta buy when, when not ever when everyone else is kind of negative on it. Right. And so let's talk about increasing your odds and some of the things that we can all look for to increase our odds. Um, I think you already mentioned about management and they're you know, having a track record and, and credibility with institutions so they can do a big raise in the future. Um, what what are some of the other things that that you look at um, when you're investing in these uh, early stage type of deals? It's really uh, the management, the track record. Uh, the share structure, try to avoid companies that have debt, um, the ability of management to, to raise money, uh, and, you know, the, the asset, you know, the asset is, is, is critical, uh, but you also have to have a, a team that, you know, has a confidence that can raise money and that can, build market value in the retail um, marketplace. Uh, that's that's very important. So it's not just a company that's going to put out a news release, but um, that the CEO is actively, uh, you know, telling the story. You do have to look for companies in the mining market that, um, that the, the CEO uh, is actively um, – marketing and telling the story. 
Yes, I, and I would say, yeah, management, especially when you're looking at early stage, yeah, management is probably even more important than, I'd say that's when it's the most important compared to when the company is, you know, they're already operating or they're already in a somewhat healthy position uh, with a project, you know, they're not going to die off in the next six or 12 months. Um, you, how about um, like it, management and insider ownership, Jeb? Because it just, it seems to me, I mean, we don't think about it as obvious, but in looking at various companies in all stages, I mean, you, you we know that when management and insiders have such a strong position, um, they're positioned alongside you. I mean, when they have a big position, they want it to be successful and they want the stock to go higher and they can't, you know, dump the stock when it goes higher because they own such a huge position. So it, I mean, it's an obvious thing, but I don't know, in my case, sometimes I'm overlooked that. I mean, it's not to say if a company, if management only owns three or 4%, it's not to say it can't be successful, but when you're looking at early stage, smaller juniors, you know, micro caps, nano caps, um, if Jeb, if management does not own a big position, then they're probably just doing it for a paycheck. And that's why you have to look at the insider filings on CEDAR. And uh, if you follow me on social media, you know, I follow that a lot. And, uh, you know, insider buying and insider selling. And also if the insiders are participating in the private placement, which they have to disclose that's a very important question that investors should ask. Are, are insiders participating? And how much do insiders own? And what did the insiders pay for the stock? Um, you also have to look at the options, you know, where they were granted options. What price? Uh, where is the average weighted option? So that way at least you're getting some metrics and some target prices, you know, as an investor. Um, so those are very important tools and I'm glad that you brought it up. And that's some of the things that I follow too, is the, uh, share, the shares outstanding, the warrants, the options and how much insiders own. And, you know, also the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the funds, you know, you can look at, you know, especially the U S listed ones, you can see, uh, the holdings, uh, and some the funds increasing, and uh, that sometimes you can see uh, a big share rise when you see an institution buying in the marketplace. Right, yeah, very important, uh, very important stuff to look at. Um, okay, Jeb, you've covered a lot, but uh, I think you kind of dodged my question at the beginning about uh, your biggest ten bagger because you gave us a pick already. But why don't you just let us know about? Maybe your biggest win or one of your biggest wins. Uh, well, yeah, I'm gonna give you a couple because you know, um, you know, I'm gonna give you a couple where, throughout my career. Um, and could you tell us what, at least, what you learned from that? You know, how that's that's helped your investing from a- after uh, yeah. getting that big win. Well, one that I followed throughout the 2000s and was a big win was Frontier Gold and. Uh, they were bought out by Newmont for two point some odd billion, um, and I was a shareholder, and I wrote about it on my blog. So that's where I first sort of got my uh, 
subscriber following. And then I did um, back then in that cycle, New Gold, which probably I started writing about it below a dollar. It eventually, you know, became a very big stock. I think $14, $15 it reached at the peak. And they bought Rainy River and Blackwater. And, uh, you know, they had a big run. Tower Hill Mines was one that I followed for many years. That was the last cycle. And the, after the bear market, um, one that I did very well on was Niocorp, um, Western Lithium, uh, and back in 2015, um, and then Integra Gold, which was tr- uh, being was I got in when it was between 15 and 20 cents uh, when they got the uh, the Valdor property, um, and they did an excellent job um, turning that around that story around from pretty much a bankrupt mine to being bought out for Eldor- by El Dorado. Um, I think at the maybe like a dollar 50. So, um, and that was in the bear market. So, you know, that they're, they're, you know, both you can, money can be made if you do your homework. It's not easy. It's much harder in the bear market, but money can be made both in a bull and a bear market. And let me make it sure. And, and people that are listening know that there's plenty of losses and plenty of things that have gone, you know, in my, junior mining, when you take chances like this, you know, you know, like Babe Ruth, he hit the most home runs, you know, but, you know, he struck out a lot. You know, sometimes, you know, when you take big bets into exploration or into, you know, development, um, there are a lot of risks with mining. And it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for quitters and it's not for, um, you know, weak minded people. Uh, you have to be uh, a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to be able to handle rejection and losses and to move on and stay positive and keep your head in the game and keep on learning and uh, get get better. Uh, it's a game and, you know, it's uh, it's like poker and, you know, you got to practice and practice and learn and, you know, speak to other investors and keep an open mind. Um, cause I'm still learning and I've been doing this 20 years and there's like guys I speak to like you that, that teach me new things or I learn the technicals or I see the charts of, and that, you know, give me ideas like that chart, that gold analog chart that you came up with, I think in 2015 that everyone should, should look at. And that was brilliant in the way that you put that together and, you know, the gold bull markets versus historical gold bull markets and where we could go based on historic patterns um that's very useful and that's you know it's it's a game it's a game that you have to keep on practicing and 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 stay at the table and um and learning and uh after 20 years i'm still learning well beautifully said brother uh thank you for the uh, kind compliments there but i gotta tell you i learn a lot from you even just in this interview i'm going to listen to it again because as you were talking throughout the interview, there's a couple of things that popped in my head, which I, I, you know, haven't even thought about as far as my investing. So uh, that that's it's just beautifully said. Uh, you know, we're we're all learning, we're all trying to improve, um, and I, I'm glad that you said, you know, it's 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 difficult to get ten baggers, and there's risk involved, and you know, at some point you have to cut your losses, you have to have some kind of uh, you know risk parameters set. 
Uh, you know, this isn't, it is a form, it, it kind of is a form of gambling, but you do, you have the ability to increase your, increase your odds. You have the ability to cut your losses at some point. Uh, just, just a, a great conclusion there, Jeb. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And before we sign off here, uh, please let our listeners know um, where they can go to follow your work, how they can follow you on Twitter. Okay, Twitter, it's at Gold Stock Trades and LinkedIn, Jeb Handworker. Um, and I hope you follow me. That's the best way to contact me. And if you, if you want to email me, it's info at goldstocktrades.com. Thank you, Jordan, for being here. And that was a great point at the end you met, made about cutting losses. And that's one thing that I've, I'm learning is that you have to learn how to cut your losses and let your winners run in junior mining. And uh, that mistake, I'm finally learning after 20 years. So thank you for helping me remind, remind me on that point is cut your losses quickly, but hold on to your winners. Oh, my pleasure to have you on, Jeb, and uh, I hope we can have you back again in the months ahead and we can talk about finding uh, more 10-baggers. Take care. Thank you for listening to the 10-Bagger Podcast, presented by The Daily Gold. For premium coverage of precious metals and the best junior mining companies, visit thedailygold.com forward slash premium.